Hey guys, it's Brian Underwood. Just want to thank all of you for tuning into the podcast, BU with BU. Uh, it's been a great success. I'm super proud and I uh, feel very grateful for all of you listening in and support the podcast. Uh, this podcast that's coming up, you're going to hear from a great friend, a mentor of mine, uh, Dr. Joseph McClendon III, JM3. Um, pretty interesting story how I met uh, uh, Joseph. Uh, it was about 15 years ago backstage at a Tony Robbins concert as he uh, is been the lead trainer for Tony for like 30 years. And uh, I remember just uh, watching him on stage and being taken back by his charisma and by his level of professionalism. And uh, fast forward about six, seven years later, uh, he was actually at an event that I was hosting, and uh, we ended up hitting it off, uh, talking business, talking shop, and uh, we've been working on projects and partnering in different uh, initiatives ever since. Um, and he's just a master at understanding uh, the dynamics of human behavior and the things that can help us go further faster. You guys are going to love him uh, with his patented astitude. So get ready to get up and shake that ass. Hope you guys enjoy this podcast. And again, please leave a review. Please leave a review. It truly helps us. Um, and with that being said, we'll talk to you guys really, really soon. Remember, continue to be yourself. Talk to you soon. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, for those that, that uh, you know, I think most of the people listening have an awareness of who you are. A lot of people might have met you. Um, but for those that haven't, uh, if you don't mind just kind of giving just a little bit of ID, like, you know, uh, where did you come from? We know you came from heaven <laughs> here on earth, <laughs> you know, kind of tell us a little bit about your story. We were just talking a little bit about some of the things that you've had to, you know, overcome to become. Yeah. Um, but I, I love the fact of every time I hear your story, there's a huge level of relatability because, you know, the number one question I probably get asked is like, Hey, what book are you reading or what book should I read? I don't oh, know. Right. Yeah. About it. yeah. The very first book that I always tell everyone is think and grow rich. You yeah. know, it's like everything that's ever come from personal development or achievement, it, you can link it back. It stems from philosophy in that book. I mean, yeah. Yeah. In- including him, by the way, people, people don't know this, that, that Napoleon Hill, he got a lot of his information. Now he, he equates it to the Bible and so on and so forth. But, but the, the, the standard and the foundational things that he talks about or what he, he derived from personal development books that he had read of the day. Right. And as a matter of fact, I'm sitting here, where is it? What's oh, around here? So, oh, here it is. I'm, I'm rereading. If you haven't seen this, if you, rereading well, you know, my, my background is I grew up in a military family. Uh, my dad was a uh, senior master sergeant in the United States air force, very, very patriotic guy. And, uh, and he was very disciplined. And he taught, and especially for me, he was really hard on me because I was the only boy in the family. And he taught me, uh, he taught me to be ethical. He taught me to be kind. He taught me to be uh, tenacious and integrity. And those were things that I did, I did pretty well in school and in sports and things like that. But I lost all that stuff. I lost that lesson when I was uh, 17 and a half years old. Um, because, and we were kind of talking about this a little bit earlier, um, when I was 17 and a half years old, three grown men tried to take my life because of the color of my skin. And uh, the worst part about it was, I mean, they left me for dead and beat me up really bad and everything. And the worst part about it was, Brian, was that it destroyed my uh, self-esteem. It destroyed my, just my, just my self-worth. I felt worthless and I became homeless. And I wound up living in a cardboard box in a place called Lancaster, California. Horrible place. And um, 
what changed was somebody that I didn't know. Somebody was kind to me and they gave me the book, Think and Grow Rich. And the truth be told, they leveraged me to read the book because the last thing I wanted to do was read the book. I was, you know, just, I was suicidal. I was just at that place. But they leveraged me to read the book. And as soon as I started reading the book, the lights started coming on. And here's the, the thing, though. I read the book and because I was desperate, I did the exercises in the book because I talked to a lot of people and, and a lot of people have read the book. If they read the book, I always ask, did you do the exercises? And most people, oh, yeah, sort of. I not only did them, I just supercharged them because my dad used to always tell, tell us, listen, um, to, be, to have tenacity means not just do it once, not just do it twice. You do it over and over again until you pass your goal. And so I did those exercises over and over and um, it changed my life. And uh, when I went back to the gentleman that gave me the book to thank him, I said, you know, how, how do I thank you? What, what can I do for you? Because that's the way I was raised. Uh, what he said, he said, what you do for me, Joseph, to repay me, he says, you do the same thing that I've done for you, for as many people as you possibly can for the rest of your life. <laughs> and honestly, Brian, as, as a teenager, I didn't really take it serious then. But as I started to go on, I started to realize that, yeah, that's my calling. And that's, that's why I have the privilege to do what I do right now. Yeah. And I mean, I always say this, I don't know if it's accurate or not, but I would say that there's probably less than a handful of people that have um, spoken in front of live audience, uh, as many live audiences as you have that walk the earth today. I don't know if you would, you would find that accurate or not. Well, I, I'm, I'm not sure about that, but I will say I've, I've done a lot up until uh, this pause in our momentum, this COVID pause, um, I was averaging 10 to 15,000 people a month that I was speaking in front of. And my estimate uh, over the last couple of decades is well over four and a half million people. So I'm, I'm constantly in front of people. Yeah. And I, you know, I mean, the reason I say that is I think it's so important because just like what you've learned, um, you know, and you're relearning and we're constantly uh, have different perspectives though, is uh, one thing that I've learned is that you can travel the, the world in Arkansas twice or you can be in front of four and a half million people. Uh, but I say this all the time, but people are the same everywhere. Like we all are made up of the, the same um, drivers or the same laws of human nature. Um, and so, I, you know, I'd love for you to kind of just touch on that. Like what you see is some of yeah. the biggest components that people are seeking. Cause I think everyone is seeking, right? You seek and you shall find. It's just uh, being aware of what we're seeking, but um, why people do what they do is I think one of the things that you're, uh, been focused on with your life. So what, what are some of the uh, biggest challenges right now that you think for people that uh, are in this environment? And, you know, what are some of the things that that we can become aware of or have a little bit more distinctions on, um, you know, about people? I, I think the biggest challenge right now in humanity, and I'll tell you why it is this way, the biggest challenge is the challenge to remain optimistic. Because the majority of things around us are by designed uh, by design to keep us pessimistic. You know, you and I were talking before. I'm not, I'm not a huge conspiracy theorist. Uh, however, there are uh, people out there that don't necessarily have an interest at heart, period. And that is evident in the media, in advertisement, in television, everything across the board. It is designed to keep us fearful, to keep us fight or flight. And so I think human nature you know, if you took away all the stuff, you go back to caveman days, human nature is optimistic. 
you know, I'm going to live. I'm going to get, you know, they didn't, they didn't have, you know, a, a field full of crops or a refrigerator full of food and things like that. They just, just as, as your dog knows it's going to get food today, you know, it's going to get this. And that, that uh, optimism is what fuels us, is what pulls us forward. And so I think you're, I also agree with you that we're all the same. Uh, human beings, we all have exactly the same kind of nervous system. And ironically, it's the same as every other creature on the planet. Everything that's alive, including plants. We move towards pleasure and move away from pain if you want to be basic about it, you know. And uh, a mammal's nervous system, and obviously we have a specialized nervous system, if you will. But I am, by profession, a neuropsychologist, a clinical neuropsychologist. And I always tell people the difference between traditional psychology and neuropsychology is that we all, you know, think of neuro as your five senses. We all have five senses. They're all input senses. And a traditional therapist, you come in and you got a fear of dogs, I'm going to lay down on my couch and I'm going to talk to you. And through my words, I'm going to impact you to, you know, make some decisions and think about a certain things. And over a period of time, you're going to make a shift over a period of time. And that it, it's fairly effective, but it just takes a long time. But as a neuropsychologist, I have five different ways to enter your world, not just talking to you. <clears throat> now, the main ones that I use are, are, are auditory. You know, I talk to you. I show you stuff. And, and I might not physically touch you, but I, but I, I have you touch yourself. I have, you know, we, do, we do kinesthetic things as well. So I've got a multiple of those different methods and those different combinations, and everybody's combination is different. So if I can find out what your combination is, then I can go right to the jugular vein and help you uh, um, get over your challenge as quickly as possible. Now, having said that, I'm back to what I was saying with regard to optimism in people. People don't quite understand what optimism is because the, the tendency is to think that optimism is to be pie in the sky and, you know, it's to be gullible, but it's not. Optimism actually means to be aware of the danger, but also be focused on the possibilities of, what, uh, of what's going to happen in the future, you know, the positive possibilities of the future. So um, I think right now we're being bombarded so much and distracted so much that it's difficult for people to be optimistic. Matter of fact, how, how, if you ask the average person, how can you be optimistic? They'll fire back at you. Well, how can I be optimistic with all this stuff going on? You know, there's people dying, there's this happening, there's this happening. Yeah, but the, the truth of the matter is that, that there's a lot going on. And there has been millions and millions more positive things that have happened in a person's life than negative all the time. So wherever you focus. You talk about being optimistic, and I think that we all come across challenges in our lives. So what are some tools right now that you actually use to stay positive or to stay optimistic? Yeah. Um, because listen, you have a lot of BS thrown at you, just like each and every one of us do. So what are some tools that you personally use or that you could suggest to anyone listening that they could use, that they could find uh, some value in immediately? Absolutely. And if you're listening, please write this down because this is, this is really handy. Um, number one, when a challenge shows up and or you recognize there's a challenge. In other words, a challenge could have shown up in, in an hour ago and you've allowed yourself to go down the rabbit hole of, of uh, concern and worry and fear and things like that. Um, so when it shows up and or you recognize that it's there, the first thing to do, number one, is to stop the bleeding. <laughs> and, and what that means is interrupt your own pattern. Stand up, shake yourself out. And, and take yourself out of that for, for a moment. You know, I always ask people, and you've, you've seen me work with this before, 
Have you ever lost your train of thought? And everybody goes, well, yeah. Well, you can use that because that, that's a mechanical thing. Um, and you can use that. You can cause yourself to lose your train of thought if you're thinking about the problem, the fear or something like that, just by standing up and shaking yourself out. You know, me, I always say shake your ass, whatever. But so first thing is to stop the bleeding. You stop the bleeding, bleeding by stand up, shake yourself out. The second thing is to ask this question. There's a series of questions, but the first one is, what is the truth? What is the truth? And, and be dirt honest, the real truth. Not just because what happens is when something happens, people focus on that bad thing and they go, that's the truth the way that it is. But the truth of the matter is, and I'll use uh, what's happening to us right now as an example. Right now, the truth is, yeah, we've got this uh, situation with the coronavirus. We've got all this stuff going on. This, the truth is, is that there are people that are losing their lives. The, the truth is, is that it is dangerous. But the other truth is, it's not affecting everybody. The other truth is that you can protect yourself. The other truth is that there are a lot of people that are coming through this. The other truth is we've got a lot of people working on it. The other truth, and if you look at it, and you be honest, and you start to think about what the other truth is, and you allow yourself to be optimistic, then you start to find that, wait a minute, there are other ways to feel other than the fear. And then once you're there, you ask the second question, okay, what do I want? Write that down, because this is the thing, because people, because just because you, you recognize, okay, wait a minute, there are other options, it's not all doom and gloom, what do I want? And the truth is, in this situation, I'm only using this as an example because it's the one that's low-hanging fruit and right in front of us. If you ask yourself, well, what do I want? You go, okay, well, I want to be safe. I want my family to be safe. I want to thrive on the other side of this. You know, I want to do this. So then, and, and when you start to write that down, remember, our brain cannot resist repetition, and it also cannot resist the, the uh, when it releases the endorphins and the dopamines when we recognize possibility. So when we start to go, and what that means is as soon as you go, oh, yeah, I'd like to have this, I'd like to have that, and if you're watching this, you're seeing my eyebrows go up, and when that happens, our brain releases this powerful chemical called dopamine, which rewards our, our nervous system and says, okay, let's go there, let's do that. So once you write down what you want, I want to be safe, I want to you know, thrive on this, I want my family to be safe, you know, I want this, then you go to the next question, the third question is, what should could, would I do right now to get what I want? And I always ask, and, and, and so then, because remember, all we're doing is getting our brain to do what? Now we're no longer focused on the fear and the bad thing, and now we're focused on what's possible. Our brain is continually releasing dopamine inside of us, and we're feeling good, we're feeling optimistic. Does that mean that you have negated or have, have forgotten about the bad things? No. That's still there, but you and you know that it's there, but now you're doing things and you're writing stuff down and your brain actually starts to rewire as it starts to search for. You said it earlier, Brian, you go, as you seek, so shall you find. Well, your brain is going to find it for you if you direct it. And the last thing is do something about it right now. Not, not later, do something about it right now. Pick up that phone and call somebody. Get up and go for a walk. Do any kind of action attached to those four questions. And then what happens is your nervous system will go, well, wait a minute, let me just do more of that. And that sets up a chain reaction. So the next time the negative stuff comes in, your body goes, well, wait a minute, there's another way of dealing with this and hopping out of it. And I, I repeat that over and over again. That, that formula is not just for COVID-19, it's for anything. Ask those questions. First off, take yourself out of it. Second, what do you, uh, what's the truth? Third, what do you want? Fourth, what are you going to do? Fifth, do something. No, I think that's awesome. And I mean, 
you started talking about a little bit of the science of like how things can affect your brain, you know, dopamine, serotonin, even serotonin, testosterone. Um, I have two things I want to go to. Number one is I hear so many people after they watch you or, you know, they've come to an event that we've been doing together or they've seen you live and they're like, man, he's just awesome on stage. So eventually I want to get to that because I think so many people, they have this fear of speaking or, or communicating to audiences and other people. Um, and in today's world of social media or entrepreneurship, it, it is a skill that uh, I think a lot of people um, want to have. And I think it's always good to hear where you started. I know that when I first started speaking, uh, you know, which we'll get to, I was on a boat at the Star Louisville. There was four people in the audience. My dad, one, my best friend, the other. <laughs> and I could not, I got so nervous. My mouth was so dry. I couldn't talk. Like I literally, and I kept looking at my dad to save me and he just kind of kept looking at me. Um, and, you know, I, I got through it. I don't know how I got through it. So I want to talk about that here in just a few minutes, because I don't think a lot of people have ever kind of heard, you know, you talk about that or when they see you, they see a professional at work. Right. And to me, a professional is someone that has done it thousands and thousands and thousands right. and thousands of times. So you make it look easy, but I know it's not always been easy for you. So we'll get to that. But before we do, one of the things that I know a lot, a lot of people love is, um, your astitude. And um, <laughs> you and I were talking about astitude a couple of calls ago. And I was like, we need to do a scientific experiment on it. So people actually see there's real science behind it. And I know that, you know, there was a Harvard professor that literally did a scientific experiment. She got beat up over it, but then she was able to prove her hypothesis correct. And she did a, an entire uh, research about, I actually talked about it in a podcast, just on posing. And if you do a strong pose yeah, for two yeah. minutes or more, it increases dopamine, serotonin, testosterone levels by up to 33%. And so you kind of take that philosophy, but then you add movement with it. Uh, it compounds it. But uh, kind of talk to everybody about astitude. It's not just some cute little thing to make them smile, or it, maybe it is. It is. But, um, but what is the whole... Um, you know, science behind it. What is the mechanism? How is it used as a tool? Yeah. Um, there are two different types of, first off, our brain triggers our body to release, let's just say solutions uh, or chemicals. And they're, they're compounds uh, mixed and they're different mixtures. And there's positive stuff, as you said, serotonin, dopamine, um, uh, endorphins and things like that. Those are the feel good ones. I call it <laughs> awesome sauce. <laughs> and awesome sauce are, are those chemicals, those solutions that the body releases when we, that make us feel good, that reward us, okay? And when those are in our system, when they're in our blood system, we function at our best. When they're in our system, you know, I, I have the privilege of working with a lot of, of uh, A-level and A-list uh, sports figures and, and uh, things like that, and they call it being in the zone. And when you're in the zone and they test their blood when they're in the zone, the level of, of dopamine and awesome sauce that's going through their body is 10 times that that it would normally be. And so is it possible to trigger that stuff to come into your body? Yes. The other side is the negative stuff, and that is the cortisols and the, and the adrenalines and, and the stress hormones and things that come out as well. Is it possible to trigger that to do that? Yes. And we do it at will. But we do it unconsciously, and so my whole outcome in what I'm, what we're going to talk about here, is to show people how to release more awesome sauce on call when you want it to. Now, uh, I'll give a little bit of a, uh, a, a physiology lesson first. 
We all have muscles, and those muscles are not just there to move our, our structure around. They're also what are called piezoelectric cells. A piezoelectric cell is uh, a battery that also produces electricity as well. It stores and produces electricity. And so we're all electrical beings. And the more electricity, the, the higher the level of voltage that is going through your body in any given moment will determine what is going to cause your brain to release chemicals. It's that simple. It's going to cause your cells to react a certain way. And that type of electricity, the, the type of voltage that's going through you, is going to cause your cells to release certain dopamines and, and, and awesome sauce. And so movement obviously, and, and those muscles are not going to release that electricity unless you move. It's stored electricity. You, the storage comes from the food that you eat and all those things that, that we, we put into our muscles, but it gets released through movement. And so that is why when somebody goes jogging and somebody you know, dances and so on and so forth, we feel good because our body is releasing electricity. It's releasing, uh, it's releasing electricity and then we're releasing dopamines. And so I have found, now this is where the science comes in, that most people are not going to get out and run. Most people are not going to do, you know, dance in the moment as well. But there's one area of your body that is central. And when you move that area of your body, it releases maximum electricity, which also starts to release maximum dopamine. And so you said earlier, you said, you, you, you said well, uh, you know, I don't know if you came up with that name just to make people laugh. Well, the answer is partially yes. Because when we smile, guess what? Our brain automatically releases awesome sauce. And so that area of the body is our, act, is our hips, is our hips. And what's connected to our hips is our ass. <laughs> and what we found is, and everybody will agree with this, and that is the level of our, atti our, our attitude will determine our altitude. You know, our attitude is everything. And attitude is just a, in the moment, and or consistent mindset that we have, what we're focusing on, what we're thinking about in that moment. And so when you move your hips, you move the entire body, you cannot help it, it makes you smile, and, you, and then that chain reaction of the, of the electricity, the dopamines and everything starts to flow. So what's attached to your hips is your ass. And so I call it astitude. You change your attitude by shaking that ass. And it, it is, you know, I, I, you've seen me do it to 10, 15,000 people at a time. And it's the funniest thing in the world to get them to do it because you see people, you know, 50, 60, 70 years old. <laughs> Matter of fact, Brian, and I didn't save it. I, I could find it. I should go back and find it. I, I got a, uh, it's been a couple of years ago now um, on Facebook. A lady sent me a video. And the, the video, the first thing was, is you see this lady, it's a sweet lady. Uh, uh, you see just her face. And you, you can tell she's got a selfie stick. And she's, she goes, Mr. McClendon. And as she's saying it, she's moving that selfie stick about out. And you can see now her, see her whole head. And she's saying, I want to thank you because you changed my life. And as she's moving it out, you start to see her whole body. And she says, I'm, she said, I'm uh, 86 years old. And she said, 83 of those years, I was negative and miserable. And then it moves out and you can start to see her whole body and she's got a selfie stick and she says, and you taught me to shake my ass and now I got a great attitude. And then she starts shaking her ass and she's getting it, Jack. And it was, it was hilarious because you could tell even as simple as that was, she got a big smile on her face. As simple as that is, she had never moved like that in her life. And it changes things. Now, the, the caveat that I will say 
when you do it, whether you're shaking your ass, you're moving or whatever, reward yourself, praise yourself and say, hey, I did that. Release more dopamines and your, your system will learn to do it again. So it is scientific. It is fun. You know, I just added that to it to get people to recognize that they can have fun while they're doing it. But it's simple because I, you, you've heard me say it to people. You know, when you're upset, what do you do? Shake your ass. When you're fearful, what do you do? Shake your ass because it interrupts that pattern and it releases awesome songs. That's awesome. No, awesome. That's pun intended. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, no, I think it's great. I think it's a great strategy because it's something anyone and everyone can do. that can have fun with it. And it will it'll completely shift how they're feeling in the moment. Yeah, in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why TikTok is going so freaking nuts is because everyone's shaking their ass on yeah. TikTok. Yeah. But it's true. I mean, it's um, it's become a phenomenon even before COVID. But since COVID, it's it's even gone more nuts because I think that it actually gets people in a different state. Um, well, what's happening is as well is it's doing the, it's taking the same route as Facebook and Instagram is more uh, people, it, it started off just for young, young kids, and now uh, older people and, and young adults and people starting to take it, and it's a, it's a tool that's helping people move. Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get started on it. I have uh, did a call today and said I'm going to do a little TikToking. Um, but listen, uh, a couple quick things. Uh, I know that, that I know your background of being a musician and loving music, and, and, um, but for people that uh, you know, just see you and see you speak as we talked earlier, I would love for you to kind of share with them, um, you know, kind of if someone's just getting started, they're nervous of speaking, um, you know, so what are some tools or what are some things that they can do to become better? Because, uh, you know, to, to me, social media today is a framework of a live stage as well. I mean, there's a little bit different dynamics, but it's, um, you know, but how did you get so good at what you do? Well, um, uh, truth be told, uh, and you're right, I was a musician before, so I did have a, what most people would think a little bit of an advantage. But to be honest, uh, that's not the way I became a speaker, if you will, or a presenter. And there's a difference between just being a speaker and a presenter. I'll get into that in a second. Um, but I will say that I'm, I'm human. I can remember, even as a musician, being so terrified and so petrified to go on stage that I almost couldn't. You know, I remember a couple times before I went on stage, I had to go in the bathroom and throw up you know, that, that old eight mile thing, you know, and, um, and what it comes down to is every single one of us is, ha, has an instinct to our, our deepest fear is the fear of uh, not being loved and being rejected. It's the number one fear of human beings. And so to put yourself and, and it's the fear of death, by the way, because every human being as a baby, uh, infants know that they have to keep people around them other or they'll die. They need other people for physical and emotional, uh, um, uh, to, to support them physically and emotional. And so that fear never goes away. It's there to protect you. It never goes away. And I always say there's no fearless people. They're just people with less fear. And I don't mean the quantity of fear. I mean the amount of time that they spend in fear. And so uh, I've conditioned myself through time to mitigate that fear immediately, instantly. And, um, and how that happened, Brian, was... <laughs> Real, real interesting story, if you will. I, uh, Tony Robbins has been my dear friend and my mentor uh, and business partner for three decades now. And um, years ago, um, because of my background as a psychologist, I became the head trainer for Robbins Research. Tony was my friend first, and, and uh, I approached him. I said, let's write a book together. And he goes, yeah. And he says, and if you would, would you, would you manage my trainers? And I said, yeah. 
And so I would go to all of his events, UPW's, Date with Destinies, everything back in the olden days. Uh, and this is, uh, let's say, 96, 97, I believe. Yeah, I mean, no, 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 no. It was, it was like 94. And uh, and Tony would do the events. I would, was never on stage. I was just there to manage and run the trainer department with his ex-wife. And uh, one day, on day number three, at the end of day number three, at midnight, I get a call. And Tony says, listen, I can't do day number four. Can you do day number four? And I said, nope. Because I was, I was, you know, I wasn't prepared. Number one, and then number two, you know, I was petrified, quite honestly. And he said, "Listen, I need you to do it." Blah blah blah. And I said, "Okay, I'll step up and do it." And so they gave me all the material. I stayed up all night long, Brian, from midnight till I didn't go to sleep, studying all the stuff. And I'd seen him do it, and seen you know it being done several times. And it was in Australia, and in those days, a thousand people was a big, big seminar. And so I, I walked out on stage that morning. You know, and I, I knew how to change my state and I hadn't invented attitude yet, but I knew how to interrupt my pattern. I was petrified, but I pushed myself through it. Kind of like you were just saying when you were on stage in front of your dad and everything. And I knew all the other trainers and all my other friends were rooting for me. And I walked out on stage and I walked out and I said, hello, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Joseph McClendon III. And I could hear the auditory disappointment in the audience. These Australians were not kind, Brian. Ah, who are you, mate? You know, we didn't come here for you. That's my, uh, my Australian accent, you know. And they started to get up and walk out, not one at a time, but rows and rows of them. And I'm just, you know, I'm sweating bullets. I'm going, well, you know, I'm, going, I'm just, you know, like this. And they're, and they're leaving. Now, fortunately, I, I have a background in the neurosciences, and I knew about something called a pattern interrupt. And so without going into it, I've already conditioned myself to when something happens, I go back to those four questions that I said before. What's the truth? The truth was these people are leaving. The truth is that, you know, this also, uh, you know, I've got a great opportunity to do something right now. The truth is what I want is I want them to stay. You know, what am I going to do? I'm going to interrupt their pattern. So I yelled at them. I got the microphone, right? I go, hey, stop where you are right now. Don't take another step. I know what you're thinking. You're looking at me and you're judging me. And I was, and I had a stern look on my face. And I go, I said, you came in here and you're expecting a six foot seven white guy. And you got a five foot nine black guy. And you're judging me. And you're looking at me right now. I can see with a look on your face. You're looking at me right now. And you're going, look at him. He's amazing. Oh my God. He's handsome. He's smart. And I started saying all this stuff with a big smile on my face. Now, all I did in psychology was interrupted their pattern. And then I put in what I wanted him to, to, to hear. And I said, so turn around, come down and sit down because, you know, Tony's not going to be here. But what you may not know is that I got the goods and I'm here for you. And I started telling him. And from that point on, and by the way, I still do that to this day, uh, to whenever I get in front of Tony's audience, because he's a hard act to follow. They fall in love with the guy rightfully. And then, then they step up there. So my point is, <clears throat> is anybody that's dealing with it, anybody that's got stage fright, first off, the truth is that's natural. Don't think there's something wrong with you. The truth is that it's there to protect you. But the other truth is it's there as a warning. But And, and so if you've rehearsed, if you have prepared yourself, the other truth is this is an opportunity for you. The other truth is talking to you know, 10,000 people is just like talking to one person. The other truth is they're in the audience. You're on the stage. 
The other truth is you get to do what you want to do. And, and you say all those things. And the next thing is, what do you want? And I have this thing, and you've heard me say it before. Backstage, before I go on stage, I say, I now command my unconscious mind to give me the power, the wit, the strength, the recall, the love, the tenacity, the passion, the levity, the love, everything that I need to give these people 10,000 times more than they came for. So that when they leave, they not only leave with having a good time and a good experience, but they leave with some tools and some strategies that are going to change their lives forever. And I say that to myself. Because what that, and, and I believe it because I've said it so many times, the brain can't resist, um, it cannot resist repetition. And, you know, there's a whole host of other things. You, you, you know that I, I teach a speaking course uh, that happened along, that, along with that. And I just go out there and I love them. And, I, and it's just like talking to us right now. It's no different when it comes down to it. And then, uh, you know, I say, what am I going to do? I'm going to go out there and do that. And what do I want is, and then I imagine myself leaving that stage to a smattering of applause and just happy as a lark. And so I'm optimistic about it as well. So if you're dealing with stage fright, first off, ask those for, first off, number one, always interrupt your pattern, no matter what. Stand up, shake your ass, do whatever, because in the moment, you're no longer that way. And then ask those four questions and, and step up. No, that's awesome. But uh, I know for everyone listening in, if you want to check Joseph out, you can check him out directly. If you don't mind, tell everybody how they can find you. I mean, besides yeah, yeah. The, our upcoming events. Yeah, you got to come how they follow you on Instagram. I mean, you're on social media. Can you give yeah, them a uh, there's two. There's two ways. And Brian, if you don't mind, I'd like to give everybody a gift, if that's yeah, okay. Yeah, for sure. I okay. have, and it's free of charge. There's no strings attached. There's nothing attached to it. And I'll tell you why I'm giving you this here in a second. Um, if you go to my Instagram, which is I am Joseph McClendon, that's J-O-S-E-P-H-M-C-C-L-E-N-D-O-N, and you click on the link below my profile, there's something called the Self-Certainty Masterclass. If you click on that, you can download it. It's an audio and a workbook. And it's my gift to you. There's no strings attached. There's a bunch of other stuff there as well, but you don't have to pay attention to that. Just go to that one. You'll download it. And it's a process because, listen, it's not what you know. It's what you do that will produce a result. And there's not a one of us that couldn't use more self-certainty and, and more confidence. And this is my gift to you. And the reason I'm doing that is this. You know, Brian and I have known each other for a couple of decades now, you know, and, and I love this man and I love what he's doing. I love not just that he's a brilliant businessman and a, and a motivator, but I love what he's doing with regard to he's an unbelievable, unbelievable philanthropist and, and helping people and changing lives and that kind of thing. But most importantly is he's sharing the wealth. You know, we, we're members of what we call the share the wealth plan. And the wealth is not just the finances. The wealth is, is that, that uh, I call it being wealthy. That's healthy, happy, and financially abundant. And so I believe that those of us that dare to dream while the rest of the world is having a nightmare, we're not only going to get the things that we want, you know, for ourselves and our families, but the greatest part about it is, is that we become the beacons of possibility and hope for other people. And so if, uh, if by you going through this process that I'm sharing with you, you become more confident and certain, then guess what? That rubs off on somebody else, a family member or somebody else, and together we'll make a big difference. So, so you can find me there. You can find my, my website is josephmcclendon.com, but please go there and, uh, and get that and, and, um, and enjoy it. Get some results and then share it with everybody else. You have my permission to share it with everybody else because we can spread the wealth.
Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. I know I'll talk to you soon. And um, as Joseph always says, what is it? Favor? Life is exactly what you dare to make it. And fortune favors the bold. (laughs) So boldly step up and dare to make your life magnificent. Brian, thank you so much.